Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be drilling down into a number of UK company reports. This morning, we're in the midst of earnings season. We've got a lot of updates from the Christmas trading period. And to go through the numbers, we're kindly joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you much for being on the podcast this morning. Good morning, John. How are you? Yes, yes, very well. Thank you. Um, looking through these numbers this morning. I mean, yourself, Alan, how are you finding the start to the new year? It's a very busy start. And, and uh, you know, we're seeing the, the, the FTSE, we were saying just now, weren't we, that the FTSE is, you know, about 100 points off its all-time high. So really pushing high this morning. A lot of stocks really pushing ahead. And that's that's really good to see at the start of the year, where I think um, I think there was a lot of concern over, or pre-Christmas, and, as to how the year would start. But of course, as you said at the start, we're now seeing trading statements being released by companies, uh, you know, particularly trading statements from retailers covering the key Christmas trading period. And, and I mean, so far, you know, what's what we're seeing isn't too bad. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. I mean, if you, if you, you know, regular listeners to the podcast uh, will remember the discussions that we had at the end of last year, that we could actually see a situation where the FTSE 100 breaks two all-time highs whilst the UK economy's in a recession. Now, recession in the UK hasn't been confirmed yet, and we've actually had some some retail data out for December, of course, helped by the World Cup, but that was particularly buoyant. So we're by no means confirmed to be in a recession, but certainly there's been a downbeat tone to the economy. But of course, the FTSE 100 isn't a representation of what's happening here in the UK. But that all-time high on the FTSE 100, Alan, sits at 78.77, so roughly about 140 points away from from where we are now. I mean, looking at the way that this market's performing, I mean, I mean is that something we could breach, Alan, do you feel, in, in the first quarter of this year? Well, looking at the momentum so far, I think um, I think if the, the the collection of trading statements that we've seen so far this morning, of course, we've, uh, you know, we're, seeing, we're hearing from the insurers that, um, uh, that uh, you know, business is tough there. Direct uh, line, of course, has axed its dividends, so that's um, that that will have uh, an impact on that sector. We've seen some falls across sector this morning, but um, but certainly certainly the uh, because of because of course the FTSE 100 is represented largely by dollar earners. That is a reflection on prospects for the global economy, uh, of course, driven by the dollar and of course um, commodities too. And uh, I think there is uh, that there is. Uh, a general feeling that looking, looking sort of as the markets do, six to nine months ahead, looking towards the end of the year, we're going to see uh, economies uh, start to pick up. We're, we'll probably have to deal with um, with uh, a recessionary period in the meantime. Um, if the UK falls into into a recession, I don't expect to see too much of an impact on the on the FTSE 100. So I think there's a reasonable chance. Um, if I were a betting man, I'd probably place some money on the FTSE index, at least equaling that high and possibly pushing through and setting a new one. 
Indeed, indeed. So, I mean, one of the drivers that we're seeing this morning is company earnings. So, well, we've had a, a raft of data out from JD Sports direct line down 28% due to bad weather claims being much higher than expected. Exactly uh, but we're going to be looking, Alan, at, uh, at Sainsbury's and Barrett's from the FTSE 100 and their numbers. But let's start with Sainsbury's, um, a record Christmas period for them. The shares are off slightly. Uh, what's been happening there? Yes, yeah, Sainsbury's have had a pretty good period, a solid performance actually, because the the problem with well, I said the problem with Sainsbury's from an investing from an investor standpoint, Sainsbury's are kind of stuck in the middle. We've got uh, your Waitrose and M and S at the top end, and then uh, for the discounters, of course, we have uh, we have Tesco, which is although the prices are fairly equal, it's got far more control over the market because it's got the largest market share. And then, of course, we've got Aldi and Little continuing to expand and eat away, excuse the pun, at the uh, at the the grocers. Um, and uh, and they now they now have a combined market share between them of sixteen percent, um, up from up from eleven percent uh, five years ago. So slowly but surely, some of the more traditional retailers are seeing their margins eroded, and they're seeing. They're seeing customers move away to to the low cost retailers, and of course, in a high inflation environment, um, it's a perfect opportunity for Aldi and Little to further consolidate on that position. So Sainsbury's have got a really tough job on their hands, and the fact that they come in with this uh, performance in what's regarded as the squeezed middle is is is, is a testament indeed to their marketing strategy and their pricing. And I think they have to. They have to be clearer on this strategy going forward, because as the as the discount retailers continue to nibble away below them, and uh, the premium retailers continue to uh, retain their market share above them, it's really just Sainsbury's facing uh, Tesco's uh, at the end of the day, and that's going to be tough because Tesco's have the largest market share. So um, a great performance for for Sainsbury's shares are down. 1.6% on the day and of course over the past year um, they've come up and uh, you know this we're, we're about midway of course uh, shares hit the low of £1.70 uh, um, back in October last year so they've recovered well whether they can retain this performance uh, throughout the year remains to be seen for me if I were holding the shares I'd probably stick with them uh, but uh, I think going forward I think unless they unless they have a rehash of their marketing strategy, it's going to be really tough for them. I mean, when we're looking at the sales numbers, of course, record sales numbers, but that's hmm. largely due to price inflation. Uh, volumes were were pretty flat. Is the focus going forward for Sainsbury's and indeed the other uh, grocery companies really going to be on, on margins? And is that where investor attention is going to be going through 2023. Well, I think uh, th th there are a number of conditionals in there. If if inflation is now under control or can be brought under control, and we start to see a fall, um, and if we are in recession but we're set to come out of recession, say even quarter two, quarter three, then I think Sainsbury's might be able to bridge that gap through discounting and using their their own brand 
in-house, uh, discounting those heavily to compete or even uh, even undercut the likes of Aldi and Lidl. So I think if they can continue to, to do that, but really um, I think Sainsbury's, uh, Sainsbury's prospects rely largely on how quickly the UK economy in particular can recover from, 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 from recession because they are in this middle area, they're in, the, in this middle ground. Um, in a low inflation environment, that middle ground has always been very popular and they've always been able to serve it well and retain market share. But um, the longer the recession goes on, the longer the high inflation environment continues, the tougher Sainsbury's is going to find it. So um, I'd probably hold the shares if I were holding the shares, but I certainly wouldn't be buying the shares now. Yes. Yeah. I mean, just looking at their free cash flow, that was better than expected. So Mm. a strong performance over the last period. But there is some question marks going forward um, around the state of the UK economy, how that's going to affect Sainsbury's for the next year. Now, moving on now, Alan, to another company that's inextricably linked to the UK economy. That's Barrett Developments, the the house builder. you know, if you look at the the share price of Barrett's, and not only Barrett's, it can be any house builder. They had a torrid twenty twenty two. Doesn't look as though the picture in the property market is going to improve any time soon, but it may not be as bad as previously thought. Uh, so we've got numbers out from Barrett's this morning, Alan. What do they look like? Yeah, so the, so the numbers from Barrett's are, are are pretty strong. I mean the the um. The, of course, the, the the problem that Barrett faces is um, is of course uh, cost inflation, and that has been attacking margins uh, for all the house builders uh, ongoing. Um, some have actually uh, 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 placed there or, or bought materials or acquired enough materials to keep them going at pre-inflation prices, but of course that can't continue. Um, and um, the outlook for the housing market, uh, there is expected to be a correction, which is very healthy. I mean, you know, markets need corrections. Markets need to have that reset button. But of course, it does mean the companies uh, involved in the middle um, will find it tough. So for Barrett's, um, first time buyers, of course, are facing a challenging environment at the moment. Um, and uh, 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 from a strategy standpoint, look, looking forward, Barrett's is probably going to be focusing on the middle market, um, looking for people that maybe are looking to move house, but uh, are looking to uh, to secure as much value um, in that move as they can, and and that's that's uh, that's where Barrett uh, comes in. It has a has a a, a, um, a fair amount of three and four bedroom homes in select environments on its books. Um, it also during the year, undertook uh, the uh, acquisition of Glad um, Gladman Development. Um, this is a company that uh, uh, already have very strong margins, um, and uh, it looks as though that's that's been a, a good acquisition for the company. It's um, it's uh, uh, it's also been able to reduce um, the number of land purchases it's made uh, because, of course, given the expected correction in the housing market um, land prices of course are likely to decrease in line with house prices so that will mean that barracks will have a war chest at some point to be able to go back into the market and pick those pick those uh, pick that land up at a lower cost um, so 
there are a number of um, a number of uh, positive issues for the group. If we look at the share price performance, the uh, the stock hit that low in October last year, but we've seen a, a steady build in the share price since then. And again, shares are slightly off again this morning. We've seen uh, we've seen, of course, that um, uh, uh, there's a something like a one percent drop, but um, the stock is starting to come back uh, given the strong start for the FTSE 100 this morning. So. I think um, I think uh, Barrett's strategy-wise, they've got it about right. Um, but of course, uh, I think again, how long is, how long uh, is this inflationary uh, this inflationary uh, period going to uh, last? Have we seen have we seen the worst of inflation? Looking forward, um, looking forward, uh, will Barrett's have a sufficient war chest to be able to continue to acquire its land uh, and add to its land bank at these lower prices? Um, and of course, in the meantime, uh, sustain sales of, of house prices to that middle market we were talking about with the uh, detached three, three to four bedroom homes. So again, probably uh, from my standpoint, if I held the shares, I, if I had the shares, I would continue to hold them. I wouldn't be buying them at the moment. I would look to see what happened. Uh, but certainly the share price performance since October last year should give, uh, should give existing holders some encouragement. So when we're looking at the UK housing markets, Alan, and the house builders, there, there, there is a consensus building that we're going to be seeing downside in UK house prices. But we've seen you know, a minor rally. It hasn't been a, a huge rally. We saw a, you know, a very sharp sell-off and a minor bounce back from those lows. Do you feel now when you're looking at the house builders I think I've seen figures of a six to nine percent uh, reduction in the average value of a UK property next year. Do you think that drop is largely now priced in to the UK house builders, or do you think as these figures start to roll out from the likes of Halifax and, and nationwide on the on the UK housing prices that we see further downsides in the house builders? The UK housing market is unusually resilient because, of course, we're an island, we're a finite territory per se. And um, certainly, given where these the house builders own their land banks, they the the, the land is owned in uh, in in place in areas that are of strategic importance in regard to uh, the local economy, uh, access to cities, uh, and so on and so forth. So, so there's a, an awful lot that goes into into buying those land banks. Go back to my early point that markets look six to nine months ahead. So we we're probably seeing, um, you know, the, the, the lows that we saw in October last year probably reflect something of what was expected uh, in the numbers um, in the numbers uh, that we've seen today um, and and the forecasts. So so of course, um, you know, I mean, Barrett's got a very strong. Uh, order book um, uh, going forward still uh, 2.5 billion um, although of course uh, December a year ago it was nearly 4 billion so of course we the, the, there there is a fall uh, per se but I, I would suggest that the the modest fall in the share price this morning um, uh, that's largely in line with expectations so the share price performance since October last year I, I think reflects that um, so there's been no nasty shock today um, of course, that isn't to say we won't see a sudden uh, dramatic downturn going forward. Um, and of course, if uh, 
Putin continues to, with his to prosecute his war in the Ukraine, um, and continues, and we see energy uh, energy inflation continue to drive uh, inflation overall. Then it could uh, it could push it further into the future, and that could have a detrimental effect in the short term on prices. But um, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of sensing that we're probably bumping along the bottom at the moment. Um, uh, a, a, a bullish investors might want to consider jumping in now, but I would probably keep my powder dry and maybe look to move in, um, um, maybe look to move in by the end of quarter one. Indeed, indeed. And we're going to have other house builders reporting in the coming days and weeks. Mm. And I'm sure that's going to be something we're going to be covering on the podcast as those figures come in to see if there's any correlation. There usually is, uh, but the extent of that correlation between Barrett's and the activity at other house builders. So we're going to move on now, Alan, to a company we've discussed on the podcast previously, Blencow Resources. I understand there's been quite a bit happening there. Yeah, Blencow have uh, have um, announced a significant development uh, today. Shares are well up this morning, up 9%. Um, but I mean, in comparison to uh, the highs back in uh, November last year of uh, just under 7p, we're still very modestly valued with a market capitalization of 9 million. So Blencow has um, its owner, 100% owns the Orem Cross Graphite project in Uganda. Uganda is a a benign uh, political uh, environment um, and very pro um, uh, mining companies and mining projects, uh, mining project development, and that's uh, that's been uh, made very clear today with the announcement uh, by Blencow Resources. So, so Blencow have gone through the process as, of course, you do with a mining project. The the Orem Cross project is it covers some two thousand. Uh, square square kilometers it's a huge area um, and the uh, the uh, the testing work and the metallurgical work and what's called the pre-feasibility study has all taken place within an area less than one percent of the total size so it could be repeated many times over given that the flake graphite for which on cross is famous is literally in places sticking out of the ground um, so uh, as with these process, as with all these processes, we uh, we've gone through the pre-feasibility study, established a, a very strong valuation for uh, for the project um, to the point where um, where um, recently the company was able to raise further funds uh, from existing investors. Um, the company um, company raised seven hundred fifty thousand at four p per share with three existing investors. Jangarda Mines increased their holding from 2% to 9.5%, um, and existing shareholders, Rab Capital and JUB Capital, invested uh, invested to retain their existing 10% and 8.5% shareholdings, respectively. So, so this is that was a, a hugely significant endorsement for the quality of the project, um, and that was done because uh, the interest had been expressed by a potential strategic uh, party in China called uh, Jialin. Um, and Jialin have uh, today, um, uh, well, the, the company has over 30 years experience in graphite processing. And today, Blenkow announced that um, the Ugandan government had approved a landmark one-off permit for it to export bulk sample graphite from Orange Cross for 
final testing by Jilin in China. So that's a huge step for the company. It's hugely significant. And it's also, it also really endorses the, um, the, uh, the, the, the maturity of the relationship with Jilin and, of course, with, with Blancow. So um, the, the net present value of Orem Cross is $482 million based on a 14-year uh, mine life. And, of course, it's drilled. This is drilled already from a tiny... Uh, portion of the the overall size of the project. Um, this test is hugely hugely significant. Um, uh, obviously, the Uganda government are totally uh, totally supporting Blenkow through this process. There's an offtake agreement uh, that will be in place, no, no doubt, with Jilin, and um, I expect to see uh, you know a lot more progress in quarter one this year. But certainly, the shares have jumped on the news this morning. We're up. Uh, up nine percent, uh, uh, but as I say, still a long way off those year highs. Um, and I think, given the relatively late stage the Orem Cross Graphite project is now, um, a nine point two uh, nine point two million market capitalization is very modest, given the progress that's been made and really the value that's uh, that should now be attributed to Orem Cross. Indeed, indeed, and you know, ju- just having a look, and you know, being a follower of, of battery metals, you know, last year was very much dominated by the story in in lithium, but it's starting to evolve now, and there's lots of talk about the need for for graphite. So, you know, any company involved in that is likely to get the attention of a certain sector of the market as we move towards a point where. There's huge supply deficits for not only lithium, but, you know, the likes of graphite as uh, the number of EV produced, um, you know, increases and uh, and really, you know, ratchets up the demand for, for metals such as graphite. So it's going to be an interesting year for Blencow resources going forward. So we're just going to finish off now, Alan, with a company I'm looking here. It's the best performing stock in London today. Uh, up. Uh, between it's moving quite a bit, but between sort of forty to fifty percent on the day, it's Deltic Energy. What's driving that move? Well, Deltic Energy um, have a portfolio of assets in the North Sea. If you go to their website, they've got a very good website. Um, and if you travel up the East Coast, as I've done on many occasions uh, through Hull, you can see a lot of the oil rigs actually operating just offshore there um, as you look out towards the sea. So uh, that they have the they they have assets in the Southern North Sea, which is basically the area referred to off Hull, and of course for the Central North Sea, which is the area uh, that's uh, off co- off the shore uh, from Aberdeen. Um, uh, they have a portfolio of assets. Um, Across the across uh, these regions and farming agreements uh, with uh, a number of companies um, and uh, and also the company uh, last year uh, participated in the thirty third round of North Sea licensing. Um, also, uh, also worth noting that uh, the company uh, raised a significant amount of money uh, late in September last year. It raised fifteen million pounds to. Uh, invest into its uh, assets and projects going forward. The flagship asset at the moment is no doubt the Pensacola Exploration Well, where where Deltic uh, has a has a thirty percent stake, um, and uh, uh, the, the well is being drilled by 
Shell um, and Shell uh, uh, announced, or, or the company announced this morning, that uh, Shell had um, um, encountered gas in the reservoir and has recommended to the joint venture that is Shell at 65%, Delta at 30%, and One Dias at 5%, um, that a full well testing program be undertaken. So that's a, a very strong sign, of course. The chief executive of Deltic, Graham Swindle, said, uh, you know, they're very pleased to have encountered these hydrocarbons at this intermediate stage um, and they will update the market to, as and when that's completed. So um, why is this, why is it significant? Well, shares are up 48%, as you say, John, they're the, the leading uh, they're, they're the leading riser this morning. Company's got a market cap on the back of that at uh, 36.7 million. But um, I think in terms of valuation, bear in mind this 15 million was raised last September at three and a half P. It gives you some idea of uh, the potential and nascent value, I think, that's still within the project. Um, of course, investors uh, in that, uh, in that uh, um, fundraising saw the stock subsequently fall and uh, had, had uh, a canny investor um, or can investors or eagle owned investors been watching this? You could have picked the stock up um, a few days ago for just 1.98p. So, uh, again, uh, great news from Deltic, a big jump this morning. But, you know, from a, an investment investor's standpoint, that fundraise was done at 3.5p last year. A lot more to come, I think. And the indications that uh, hydrocarbons have been encountered by Shell this morning is a huge plus. Um, but Delta isn't a one-trick pony. Take a look at the website and you'll see the the other assets that the group has. Uh, and I think uh, they offer an excellent excellent potential for growth going forward uh, uh, going forward this year. Yeah, certainly that that uh, sector, the junior oil and gas explorers, is, is certainly coming back into vogue to some extent. Delta's one of many aimlessly companies that starting to get the attention. Uh, from investors again and, and and for good reason you know there's a hell of a lot going on mm. of course you know we won't be using oil forever but we will be using it for the foreseeable future and there's some, a hell of a lot of value in the regions that these companies are operating in so definitely well worth having a look if you do like to look at junior oil and gas explorers so to finish off, um, we're just going to run through a couple of dates that we've got coming up for UK Investor Magazine uh, events. On the 22nd of February, we've got a virtual conference. And then on the 8th of March, we have our regular instalment of the Investment Trust Conference. Uh, we're going to be presenting and, and hosting a number of London listed investment trust so do put those dates in your diary so a recap of the companies we discussed today uh first of all was sainsbury's which had a ticker of sbry it was then barrett developments with a pit ticker of bdev we then spoke about blen cow resources with a ticker of bres and we finished off of course with deltic energy which has a ticker of a d E-L-T. So, Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks very much, John. And thank you very much to you all for listening. Thank you. 
We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember, all investment involves risk.